I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Betting Headlines for Friday. Rams win, Rams cover over Seattle. Bounce back, obviously, for the Rams. Now, headline two, Russell Wilson. Now, they lose the game, but he got hurt, as you know. What did the odds do? They were 4-1 to one, Seattle to win the division. Now, 8-1. to one. That is a big drop. That drop says the injury is a concern in Vegas. Trey Lance for the San Francisco 49ers is officially getting the start. Vegas says... Hey, that's not good. Arizona now a five-point favorite. McKenzie says, no, it is good. We'll see. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a big, big Friday. Live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Hey, listen, if you got Vegas on one side and Mackenzie Rivers on the other, you know which way to go. But we'll dig in. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. Now, let's see. How did A.J. Hoffman, who is the fan who beats the man, do on his prop bet? A.J., how'd you do? Uh, the streak has ended, my friend. Oh. The streak has ended. Was it yeah. was was it even close? Uh, it wasn't really close. He got hurt in the first quarter, missed uh. most of the first half, and then came back and caught caught a touchdown late. But they they didn't get him involved in the offense as much as they as they have been. I, I mean, I knew this. I just wanted to rub it in a little bit. Thank you. But <laughs> I mean, listen, four and one's good enough, right? Okay. If you go five and zero, oh, six and zero. Oh, all of a sudden, it's going to be, is AJ better than RJ? I, we don't need any of that confusing things, don't you think? I agree with that. All right. The fan who beats the man. Yeah, thanks, RJ. Great to be here on a day where the L.A. Rams got a Thursday night football win over Seattle. We saw Russell Wilson leave that game with an injury. And Trey Lance named the starter for the 49ers Week 5 matchup. What is the Vegas lead? We're going to knock out the Thursday night game, and, and including the ramifications for Seattle with Russell Wilson's uncertain health. And then we got, remember, as you know, in the second segment, we have the most popular segment of the week. We go through every NFL game and give you at least one tidbit you need to know. All right, before that, let's take a look at the NFC West matchup we saw last night. The Rams covering all numbers, 26-17 victory over the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, so before Russell Wilson got hurt, and I know Geno Smith didn't play horribly, but before Russell Wilson got hurt, what was your take on the game? My take was that both quarterbacks looked a little bit sloppy, uh, but it, it, this was it was two good teams. The, the Seahawks defense, again, for the second week in a row, really kind of played above my expectation of them. Uh, and I was starting to have a little bit of worry about the Rams offense, but they got it moving later in the game. Uh, but overall, I thought there was some early slop from the quarterbacks. Yeah, so what you, you know, we did a pretty extensive what if with me driving it 
what if Russell Wilson got solved to some degree last year? The second half of the season was his worst half season he had in his career, I, I think it's fair to say. Uh, how would you characterize, and obviously him, him potentially being injured, uh, we're uncertain right now, but up to that point in the entire season, how would you characterize his play? I would say it's been solid, but not quite what we expect from Russell Wilson at this. Not elite. Have you thought at any point, you know, RJ might have been right about that? Yeah. I mean, you may have been. (laughs) I think what we're seeing is Russell Wilson really struggles when he's on script, a la, okay, you know, three-step or five-step drop, back foot, throw, and the Tom Brady you know, excellence is not create, oh, oh, pressure. I'm going to roll out and make an amazing, you know, drop it in the basket throw. Now, let's not diminish the amazingness of those plays Russell Wilson makes. But man, oh, man, as you are moving through your 30s, you'd rather have a lot more of those kind of gimme plays. And the case could be made if you just look at the gimme plays, which would be no pressure, uh, tight plays. He is a slightly below average quarterback. Russell Wilson is below average ha- being on script. He is one of the best deep ball throwers, if not best in the NFL. He's one of the best uh, scrambler. Or I don't know scrambler with the pressure on making a play, making a spectacular play. One of the best. You add it all up historically, especially you know, last couple years, except for the last half of last year, he's emerged as one of the top quarterbacks. And I've, I've heard at different points, some smart people say, maybe he's the best quarterback. Now I'm not talking, maybe two years ago, you heard some of that. And obviously all of the Russell Wilson's never gotten an MVP vote. He's been kind of saying, how amazing is that? That maybe the best quarterback. I don't know. I think that when he was at his physical peak still, and I think at his age, you probably are seeing him, you know, cresting and moving down a little bit, just a smidge. And he had the most experience, right? So that's the beauty of late 20s, early 30s for a quarterback. But most quarter, because you got both the experience and still the physical skills. But it feels like as he's started to drop off a little bit physically. Now, is that too early for it to happen? No, because he's like barely six foot if he's six foot. So his fit, you know, he was drafted in the third round for a reason, right? Was it third or second round for him? Third round. Yeah. Third round for a reason. And it was a real surprise. He's been able to do what he's done. So, you know, kudos. But when you use your speed that much, you know, how many quarterbacks in their mid 30s in the history of the NFL were, were speed demons? And, and, and winning with their speed, foot speed? Not many. Any? Uh, none, that, none that jumped to mind, certainly. I mean, I guess Michael Vick at different points was still playing well. But, yeah, I but mean, never at the level that he did when he was young. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at Brady, and you could make the case he's, what, within 5% of his the best he's ever been? Yeah. Right? So, and Russell Wilson's over 10 years younger? And now maybe Russell Wilson's 32. Yeah, maybe it's not age. We'll see. 
But man, it does feel like the plays that he used to make, he might be, you know, a third of a step slow on maybe some of them now. Does the eye test kind of point to that to you? Uh, somewhat. Uh, I, I, I'm not ready to write off Russell Wilson yet because I well, was yeah, one of the no, people. I agree with that for sure. I, I was one of the people who didn't believe Russell Wilson was going to be as good as he has been. So this is a guy who keeps proving people wrong, not unlike Tom Brady, who uh, even going back to seven, eight years ago, people were saying, well, eventually Brady's going to fall off and he just doesn't. So I, I'm not I'm not going to get in the business of betting against Russell Wilson to figure this out. But obviously now the, maybe missing a start for the first time in his career, which with a guy his size, you wouldn't expect him to be as durable as he has been, but he has. So it's easy to say, well, yeah, he's a small guy. Of course, he's getting injured, but this is the, this is the first time in his career he may miss a game, which is pretty wild to think about. Yeah, and it's a, in theory, his hand doesn't have anything to do with his size, right? Right. So uh, to me, and I, I know you weren't thinking otherwise, but just to be clear, I think his diminutive size, as they would say, um, affects his ability to see over the line. It affects his ability, and we haven't really stated this, but it probably deserves it, to throw over the middle. It's just what you notice is shorter quarterbacks tend to throw to the outside. And you've got to be able to throw to the outside to be a good quarterback. But, man, there's a lot of hay to make in the middle of the field. McKenzie with some good numbers. You were talking about Seattle when they're on script. Uh, one of the best teams, Seattle, historically, once the script is done in the second half. 15 points per second half last season, which was second in the NFL. They've been top 10 in that the last four years, top five in three of those. So you're right. Russell Wilson not as good on script as he is later on in the game. And when I was talking about on script specifically, I was talking about within the play. So oh, okay. when there's the snap and the five-step drop and the throw, that's You're, exactly how it's supposed to, the rhythm of a bat, bat, bat. But when, when that isn't there and he looks for the second read, third read, now it's like, okay, now you got to get rid of the ball. He's like, like um, Aaron Rodgers has, is able to do this too, which, again, Aaron Rodgers' mobility isn't so much him running the ball. It's his ability to – go past that third read and start to, you know, scramble a little bit. Obviously, Russell Wilson has that in spades. And to me, that's where I think he's excellent when he's off script. But on script, where you're sp- it's supposed to be easier. Where it- See, the problem, as you know, AJ, with a Teddy Bridgewater, the problem with a Sam Darnold, even when he's playing well, is typically these guys, if they're on the difference between the great quarterback. Now, listen. Brady and Breeze were so and, – and you could say Peyton Manning – were so good on script. Th- they differentiated themselves there. None of those guys at all, those big three – and you could say the best three quarterbacks with Aaron Rodgers of the last 20 years, right? Breeze and Brady and Peyton Manning. Would you agree with that's that? Prob- that's probably the – that's probably them. Yeah, I mean, you can put Aaron Rodgers either fourth or third. Yeah, I think Breeze is over him, but okay, it's a debate. Is they were the th- only three quarterbacks in my mind of the last twenty years that were so good on script, you know, back five steps or whatever it is in a given play, get the ball out, that they became a Hall of Famers from just that. The typical Hall of Famer, Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, and many others. Uh, made it 
or will make it because of what they do off script, what they do, make, you know, making the play to Santonio Holmes, for example, in the Super Bowl. That was not on script. Brady, Manning, Breeze, not many of those. The irony is Russell Wilson's on his way to the Super or the uh, Hall of Fame. I don't know about the Super Bowl. He's been there twice, but he is not even good on script. He's making we're you know Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers were good there and good off script. With Russell Wilson, it was like it's seemingly all differentiation of him from an average quarterback is off script, and he's so good at it that he's one of the top five quarterbacks. Any thoughts on Wilson's play specifically? No, I, I think you're right. What you were saying about being off script, like when things start to get ugly, Russell Wilson magically finds a way to make something, make chicken salad out of chicken bleep, uh, which is something that I think is a, it's a rare trait, but it's something that he does excel at. And you're right. When things are, are nice and clean for him, it, he can't do all the things that the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's can do. So he's, and, but th- just on the other side of that coin, those guys can't do the things that he does. Yeah. But when you, when it's all said and done, I mean, let's not lose sight of something on Russell Wilson is he was not a top five quarterback his first three or so years. Let's say three that that he he was a game man, a very good game manager in those Super Bowl years. And and maybe game manager is not the right word because he still was, you know, not well good on script and and, and better off script. But he wasn't as good as he, he was in his middle years. You agree with that, right? To an extent, he did. I mean, his numbers, his, his like his second and third year, really like it took a massive jump from year one. His his third year was his best QBR year of his career, uh, and, and year year two or wasn't far behind it. Year two was that, or year three was the year that he had like thirty to five interception ratio. I can All right, pull so it maybe, up. But. Maybe the third year. Now was the uh, you know we can dig into that. I think it's fair to say early in his career. He, it wasn't clear he was going to be a top five quarterback. Year three, it sounds like, um, and I'll defer to you on that one. He made the turn. It's like, oh, look at this guy. He could be that good. You know, whereas a lot of the, I'm just not sure. I mean, this is always the question. Is, is a guy, the be, how many years is he the best quarterback in the league? And I would make the case that Russell Wilson hasn't been any years. And, and I mean, I guess you could debate one or two, but he's a Hall of Famer, I think, almost for sure. Uh, I, I don't know if he retired today, but, I mean, odds are he'll be in the Hall of Fame. I just – it just seems to me he's never – since they paid him, what's been – have they even made it a championship game? They have not, and things things started to get a lot more difficult to keep a team around him once they paid him, and that's forced him to do more off script because he doesn't have the talent, but also the defense just isn't what it was early in his career. Because what, the defense was uh, the best defense, one of the top two or three defenses in the last 20 years during those Super Bowl years. Exactly. So Russell Wilson did not carry those teams to the Super Bowl win and the Super Bowl loss. He was a fine quarterback, but since that he got paid, they haven't done anything really, or they haven't done anything, even made the Final Four. So is that Pete Carroll became stupid all of a sudden? I don't know. Closing thoughts on or wrapping up with the Rams specifically. Anything there? I still think the Rams are one of the best teams in the league, if not, you know, maybe the best still. I think that we Arizona just crushed them. Everybody's going to lose as the season goes on. I'm still very bullish on the Rams. Let me ask you, though, the way they did that 
so definitively. And that means more than just a couple interceptions and a, and a you know lucky win, don't you think? Yes, I do. All right, it's gonna be it's fa- to me it's fascinating. Arizona after less than a quarter of the season, you know, obviously the most surprising team, and now you got Seattle with the loss and Russell Wilson's injury, eight to one to win the division. Eight to one, they are the long shot now, and they're an underdog to make the playoffs. All right, when we come back, we'll get into the most popular segment of the week, which is a rundown of every NFL game and something you should know. And if you know it, you're going to know more than your buddies. And he's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. And just before we get to the most popular segment of the week, let's go back to the Fox Sports studios in L.A. for some breaking news from Mr. Dan Beyer. Breaking news from Fox Sports. Guys, a report from ESPN says the Seattle Seahawks are bracing for quarterback Russell Wilson to miss at least a month of action because of his finger injury. The report says that Wilson could actually be out up to six to eight weeks after he ruptured a tendon in his middle finger and last night's loss to the Rams, and that will require surgery. So Russell Wilson could be out from anywhere to a month to eight weeks, according to that report from ESPN. Back to you guys. Thank you, Dan. Wow. Wow. So what we'll do is look at the odds as they move and at the end of the show you know right around 6:45 or so in the last segment we'll uh, have our best bets but also give you some idea of how seattle's odds have moved in this short period of time aj you ready to do the rundown Let's get into it. Let's start in rotation order with the Atlanta Falcons, three-point favorites in London against the New York Jets. Okay, so everybody who's following this knows Atlanta has some real issues at receiver, uh, very analogous to Tennessee last week, who the Jets also played. But I think not being discussed nearly as much is that Coach Sala from the Jets had went to – London three separate times when he was with Jacksonville. So he talked at length about how each time they they left at a different point during the week, and he thinks he's got to figure it out. So to me, being familiar with this trip in Jacksonville, uh, a team that plays every year in London – has an advantage in that regard. I think the Jets have a slight advantage because of that. Tampa Bay minus 10 home against Miami. Okay, so since Tom Brady has left New England, he's faced Belichick disciples or coaches on the Belichick tree, and he has not done well against those coaches. So coming into the New England game uh, last week, you could I think there were three separate games, and he was below average in those games in aggregate. Obviously, below average, at least uh, before, or at least when it comes to uh, output wise, last week. And now you've got Miami, who is the most similar to New England in the league. To me, it's a huge advantage for Miami, huge, that they get to see the Belichick game plan, see how Brady handled it, and now they get to make their next adjustment, Miami. 
I like Miami in the game plus 10, but I also like Tampa under their team total. I like the whole game under the total, to be honest, just because I don't think Miami is going to be able to exploit Tampa's issues in the defensive backfield. But I do think that Miami being so similar, playing a lot of man-to-man, and the Belichickian tree as New England is a big advantage that Tampa played last week. They played New England, and thus that to me is an advantage for Miami. The Carolina Panthers, three-point favorites at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts has quietly been playing pretty well. And there was a fellow from PFF on Twitter, I think it was, uh, saying that if Hurts was a first-round pick and he had done exactly this, there would be a real feeling that he is the franchise quarterback. And I know on Monday night he didn't look great, but if you dig into those stats, he's looking pretty good. And the fact that he was a second rounder, the fact he felt like a long shot is something that's working against him here, I think. But in general, don't just kind of dismiss and say Hertz is, is bad or Hertz is a one-year project now. I don't know if that's the case. I don't think it is. And one quick other thing on Carolina is I really think it's interesting how aggressive they've been trying to fill that cornerback position. It won't have some big effect this week I don't think you know with the Gilmore trade but oh I'm almost certain but I guess he's on the pub list anyway right so but I think it's a sign that Carolina thinks they can win this year that they're a playoff team because why pay a premium to fill holes I mean in a way New England did the opposite they said we're not gonna we 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 don't think we have a chance to win it is at least what you think they feel we'll let Gilmore go because we don't want to pay a premium Carolina's paying a premium to fill holes. To me, that's a sign of optimism. The New Orleans Saints, two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at the Washington football team. Okay. I would say the Saints are the most confusing team in the (laughs) NFL to me. Sometimes they look like they're as good as they were last year, and sometimes they look horrible. I mean, think about it. A team that dominated or at least beat handedly New England – And then the next week, Tampa comes in, and it's two feet on a field goal. And I know it's just one game, but then Carolina kills them, kills them. And then, you know, this is the same team that that dominated Green Bay. It's almost hard to comprehend the Jekyll and Hyde element of the Saints. I don't have any real feel of what's causing it. I hope when I do, I'll let you know on the Washington side – I think it's pretty important to realize that this team could really, I mean, there's two games at minimum they could have lost easily additionally. So do the math. This is a team that's very lucky, Washington, to have the record they do. I think the Vikings are the only team I'd put in that conversation with New Orleans about most confusing teams. Uh, Let's go to the Tennessee Titans, four-and-a-half-point road or favorites on the road at Jacksonville. All right, well, obviously the question is, what is the Urban Meyer effect in this game? And personally, I don't think it will be as big as people think. And I think in general, when something's obviously a distraction, it almost becomes not a distraction because everyone knows, hey, it's almost like if you got to get up at five in the morning for a plane, 
you know that there's an extreme case of something that could cause you to be tired, what do people do? Usually they go to sleep at seven at night or they try to, you know, stay up the night before all but three or four hours and they can sleep. When you know there's a big extreme thing coming up, oftentimes you can adjust for it. I think the times that distractions happen, it's they sneak up on you. They, they they distract you without you knowing it. In a way, if you're if you know a distraction is coming, how does how do you get distra- how do you get distracted by it? And I really think that whenever the public starts to adjust lines because of something like this, I think they usually overreact to it. So I would actually lean Jacksonville here. AJ, next game, Minnesota favored by 10, hosting Detroit. You've got to take. Yeah, Minnesota is is not looking good early in the season, one and three, but their worst loss is to a three and one Bengals team. Other than that, it's been Arizona and Cleveland teams who are in the top 25 of Super Bowl favorites. And this Lions team is fighting hard, but now the bodies are starting to fall around. They get smacked around by Justin Fields. Now they, they lose their best pass rusher in Romeo Aquara. And then this week, they put Frank Ragnow, their, their Pro Bowl center, on the IR. I think that they're just starting to, to fade, and the defense won't present the same problems to Vikings had last week. I think the Vikings offense should be able to get back on track unlike last week where the Browns were in their face all week. So I like the Vikings plus to, or minus the 10 points here against yeah. the Lions. So a couple of things. One, I think you're making a very savvy point about Detroit is whenever there's injuries that are very significant but they don't have a big name recognition, they usually are under considered by the market. And I think that these are really significant injuries in aggregate for Detroit. And I don't think the market or certainly the average fan doesn't fully understand that. Another reason I would not want to play Detroit and I would kind of lean with you on Minnesota is usually when you have a big favorite, you exp- the, your big hope is that they are a little lackadaisical. They, they overlook the team a little bit. But when you're one and three like Minnesota, you're not going to overlook anybody. Flip of favorites in this one. Denver now minus one at Pittsburgh. All right. So here's the question. How does Locke affect this game? Because one of the things that people don't talk about. Now, what we know for sure at this point is Locke is a downgrade. Bridgewater has had a really shockingly good season. Uh, in various EPA metrics, you know, overall passing metrics using EPA, which is a, a very respected way to look at the NFL, is Bridgewater's the third or fourth best quarterback of the year. I mean, literally. Now, again, competition hasn't been strong and all that, but he's overperformed. So downgrade to lock. I think here's the trick. Don't ever buy a team at their height. And don't ever sell a team like Jacksonville at their low. Well, what are the two teams in the NFL right now that are at their lowest point? Jacksonville and Pittsburgh? I don't I mean, maybe you could say Houston, right? And I'm not saying who's worse. I'm saying based on what expectation was, this is as low as you could. I mean, Houston, AJ, you thought was the worst team. They're the worst team. You didn't like Mills. Mills is horrible. I made a mistake last week with Mills. Okay, I agree with you. Pittsburgh was a borderline playoff team, and this team now, it's like you're hearing about Big Ben. Oh, yeah, but they played Big Ben. Like, it doesn't even count. So I think Pittsburgh's at their low right now, which means they probably offer value. 
I will say Teddy Bridgewater, full participant in practice today. If as long as he clears concussion protocol tomorrow, he's on track to play on Sunday well, what do you now. Think which the I chances s- of that are. This is the second straight day he's practiced. Today was the first day he fully participated. I feel like they wouldn't have him out there practicing if they didn't think he was going to be able to play on Sunday. Wow. Okay. Well, listen. If so, and have we have? Uh, let's think about this. In the time since he practiced today, is this uh, what line adjustment did we see? Because I we saw it. Good. Well, it was already starting to, when he practiced yesterday, limited practice. It started to, to shade towards the Broncos being a favorite. I think once he practiced today, that's when the full flip happened. Now Denver, a, full, a, a firm minus one in the right, market. So, so let's look real quick at what the line was. So if you had the look-ahead line in this game, Denver was favored by two. Then the world opener was Pickham. So that was post-Bridgewater with the uncertainty. So it's telling you they're thinking it's about two points. And, and now it went up where Denver was a one-point underdog, and now they're moving to a one-point favor. And I think if Bridgewater plays, it probably goes to two or even two and a half. So it does look like Bridgewater's about three points over Locke, but it's going through Pickham, so let's call it two and a half. So the market's telling us, which I like, how much Bridgewater is better than Locke. The Green Bay Packers minus three at the Cincinnati Bengals. The thing about Cincinnati is they have been throwing the ball not near as much as you would think. Last year, Joe Burrow was throwing, you know, 30 times some games, 40 times. And it was like, obviously, he eventually got hurt. Now, what's the quickest way for Zach Taylor to lose his job is if Bridgewater gets hurt in a serious way again. And they are not throwing the ball near as much. And... Listen, they're three and one. They've had the lead, you know, in some of these games. So obviously not throwing the ball makes sense in certain spots. But and it kind of makes it interesting. Huh. It's just fascinating to think about Cincinnati beating Minnesota and and then they lost to Chicago. Right. Wow. Wow. That's almost hard to believe if you think about it. I mean, with Minnesota being so much better. But this has been hard to figure this Bengals team. But what I know is no one expected them to run as much as they've been. But now the teams have seen it. So I think if Burrow doesn't throw as much as is optimal, it's going to start becoming a big disadvantage. I actually like Green Bay a good bit in this game. All right. Next up, New England on the road. One and three, favored by nine points at Houston. AJ. I like the Patriots here to, to run away from this Texans team. I, I think the market hasn't fully accounted for how bad the Texans are without Tyrod Taylor. Point differential with him plus 16 since the injury. They're minus 65. They scored 51 points in six quarters with him and 16 in 10 quarters since he's gone. Bill Belichick went to the Jets against a rookie quarterback in week two. Made him look terrible throwing four interceptions. Davis Mills way worse than Zach Wilson. But that trend continues with Bill Belichick against first and second year quarterbacks 66 35 and two against the spread 65 percent I like the Patriots minus nine so against the, the Texans so the theory on that is because Belichick is so complex that that complexity allows him to fool those second year or, or younger inexperienced quarterbacks and and again I think you're right about the most inexperienced and problematic of them all all right so we're going to finish up we've got a handful of games left including 
Well, not including, but my best bet will come after that. We're going to go over the rest of the games. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, I'm A.J. Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. Yeah, if you look at ESPN.com right now, the first story in the headlines is this Gruden story. Wow, obviously, I mean, if we're looking at it from a game perspective, got to wonder about the distraction here. In fact, it's the next game, A.J., yeah, the Las Vegas Raiders, five-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Chicago Bears. Now, will Gruden be this? Oh, okay. I think we understand that one. Um, and I haven't dug into that story, so I don't have any comment on it till I do. I do find it interesting, the use of the term, term trope, that as much as the NFL, it's always interesting when someone is accused of something racist is what you'll hear is, you know, they don't repeat it in the news typically, right? Which I think is good not to. But then they'll say like, and due to a racist statement, and it's like, but then everyone's imagination gets to run wild. So to me, <laughs> if it's not a really extreme, like what people are going to think of when they hear racist statement, I think that does a disservice to the person. And I'm not saying a person's right for saying anything close to racist, but again, they should get a fair uh, response to whatever they did say, but the fact of using the word trope, which I've never heard used in this context before, and it's it, and this is the word that all the stories are saying, and Dan Byers using for a reason, right? It's what the stories are saying. I think that's a sign of the NFL and the Raiders wanting to kind of tiss tiss Gruden, but not wanting to uh, really burn him because well, yeah, good. Yeah, I was. I have read the comment, and it's 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 not the N word or anything like that, but it's it's imagery that you would associate with racist thoughts. So it's 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 not pretty by any stretch. Yeah, so it, that makes the my point even more solid, which is the NFL doesn't want to burn them because they wouldn't be using racist trope because 99% of people don't even know what a trope is. And I just know because trope is something they talk about in drama sometimes, like a sitcom will have a trope, which is the idea of a a theme or something which is a um, scenario that happens again and again. Like on Three's Company, a trope was that there was a misunderstanding. Someone saw something, they thought they saw something else. In Happy Days, it was a trope is the Fonz, you know, uh, is scared but he doesn't want to admit it like these things that reoccur and as you were saying about imagery obviously that's what we're talking about some you know uh, stereotypical racist or you know racist trope however you want to say it but again NFL doesn't want to burn them all right let's do this let's take our last break when we come back we'll finish the last couple of games and get my best bet And maybe more importantly, maybe A.J. Hoffman, who won last week with his college best bet, will get this week's. That's coming up next. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. 
And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Let's get back into the most popular segment of the week. We left off at the Chargers, minus two and a half at home against the Cleveland Browns, R.J. Okay, I believe that the Browns will run the ball very, very effectively in this game. The Rams, the entire premise of, oh, check that, the Chargers, formerly head coach there, D.C. of the Rams, he really plays with with what they call a light box, which is less guys in the box, saying, go ahead and run the ball. You'll probably run the ball better than we want, but it will still be less efficient than passing. That is the entire theme of that defense, and I think if there's any team that can take advantage of it, it's the Browns, and I like Chubb over rushing yards. is one of the best bets of the week. The Dallas Cowboys, seven-point favorites at home against the New York Giants. All right, Mr. Daniel Jones is playing top seven type quarterback play. It's not just the 400 yards. If you look at PFF, he's the second highest grade right now in the entire NFL. Tom Brady and then Mr. Daniel Jones. So whatever you think about him, I don't think you're thinking that, but that's what the numbers say. The game of the week, Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs, now three-point favorites at home against the Buffalo Bills. We talked about this at length. I did a study, you know, typically we look at the EPA when the chance of winning the game is between 10% and 90% for both teams. That way we get rid of the total blowouts, those stats, right? Each play that's in a blowout state. I actually said, you know, I want to look at the middle 40. I want to look at when the game is super competitive. So between 30% chance for one team to win and 70% for the other. And Mahomes' EPA is almost double what the – so, like, an EPA in pat running is usually around zero, expected points added. EPA for passing is almost always a, a low positive number, like a decimal point number. Mahomes in a super competitive game is got an EPA in the point six point seven range, and – the distance between first and second place is like second to like 23rd place. He is in a different universe. That tells me that, that, that Kansas City, even in these tight games, even losing some games, they let up in certain spots. But when it is really competitive, this offense might be the best thing we've ever seen for Kansas City. That makes it where I cannot play Buffalo. I cannot play Buffalo in this game because this is going to be that level of game from Kansas City where they should have that focus the whole game. Though they haven't in some of these other big games, they're going to be, you know, when you're only lane three, Huh. It's going to be pretty close, you got to think. All right, we are straight out of Vegas. I'm R.J. Bell. A.J., before your best bet, 45 seconds. Best bet, buddy. I'm going to go with Oregon State this weekend, minus 3.5 against Washington State. The Beavers playing at a surprising level. They're, they're on their way to winning four straight for the first time since 2013. The key to this is going to be the running game. B.J. Baylor averaged 6.6 yards per carry so far this season with nine touchdowns, and the Wazoo defense has been awful against teams that commit to the run. Utah, Utah State both average 220 plus yards on the ground against his defense. And that's opened things up for quarterback Chance Nolan, who's hit 68% of his passes, has a 9 to 3 touchdown to interception rate so far. Oregon State playing really great ball. Washington State playing really poorly right now. So you, you get a little bit of a short line based on preseason expectations, but the Beavers minus three and a half certainly the side here for me. My best bet. Okay, my best bet. It's a simple handicap. The San Francisco 
49ers. You can get a plus five out there. Here's why. I'm down on Trey Lance in general, but if there's one time that Trey Lance is going to look good early in his career, it will be this first game when Shanahan has the entire week to try to come up with some trick plays. Arizona is high, high, high right now. San Francisco plus five. We're going against them at a height, the Arizona, and we get the advantage of Shanahan and the trick plays. San Francisco plus five, my best bet. All right. If you missed any of today's shows, including the breaking news on Russell Wilson and RJ's fantastic Las Vegas style breakdown on each NFL game, check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We're straight out of Vegas. We'll be back on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 